You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. Manny Crosby. He was born blind. And in 1868, she wrote the lyrics to the song you just heard, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. Fanny was blind, and she wrote all these hymns, blind since birth, and at age 31 years, she received Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. While she never received her sight, even though she was taken to the best doctors of her time and presumably prayed for, Fanny came to know something about Jesus that the woman with the issue of blood would come to know. Jesus, even when he's calling on others, simply refuses to pass by anyone who seeks him. We pass by so many people every day and have no idea the situations they are facing. When I first saw the video that you just watched, it was during my onboarding with the hospital to become part of the staff at the hospital as a clinical chaplain. Watching that video totally changed my perspective of the people I pass daily. The hospital, believe it or not, is kind of my second home. And when I'm there, I have a different perspective now. Is my primary responsibility when I'm on call in the hospital as a chaplain is to respond to referrals. Referrals could be from a caseworker, could be from the doctor, the overhouse nurse. Referrals could be from the patient themselves or family members that they would like to see the chaplain. And so that's primarily what I do, I respond to those referrals, if you ever wondered. And yet, during my onboarding with the hospital and my training and watching that video, I realized that on my way to those referrals, to those rooms, sometimes that's the ICU, the MICU, the neonatal unit, cardiac unit, cancer wing of the hospital, ER, which is where I spent a lot of time in the ER with Code Blues, on my way is to notice people. And when you do that, God does something marvelous. Many times the people that you pass by in the hospital, I have a name tag, so I look official. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to get to this floor or this room and And I can tell, I can pick up on it right away that they're lost. They don't know where they're going. So start the conversation. May I help you? Do you you need some help? Yes, I need to find room 615 or, you know, the ER, whatever. And not only will I tell them how to get there, I will take them to that actual room or place they need to go. And it just so happens to be that when I do that, I'm able to start a conversation with that person. 
And many a time, by the time we get to where they need to be, I've learned a whole lot about their situation, why they're there, what they're facing. And sometimes it's the person coming to meet with the oncologist or the cardiologist. And they're there to get diagnosed or receive results from a test that they just had, whether it's a PET scan or a MRI or a CAT scan or whatever. Many times it's a family member that wants to go be with their family. Sometimes it's a church member or friend that wants to go provide support. It gives me an opportunity to connect with them, find out what they're going through, and then be able to provide care for them as well. That's not in my training. They don't even mention that, to do that, but I do it. The same thing happens when I pass what we call the IDT, the interdisciplinary team. It's like, what is that? The medical staff, whoever that may be. I also will strike up a conversation with them, greet them, and minister to them and find out where they are because many times they are the most stressed people in the hospital. They're dealing with so much, especially nurses, dealing with so much, so much on them, and they have families and lives outside of the hospital. And I want them to know that I'm not going to just pass them by. I want to be there for them. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing wherever you are in your life. doesn't necessarily have to be at the hospital. could be out when you're at Brook Run Park or in your neighborhood, at the mall, in your workplace, in the school. And maybe you're always so busy. Maybe you're always just looking at your device and never really looking up. You're swiping and, stri- swiping and scrolling and instead of looking around and seeing there's needs around you. And your word of greeting or encouragement could save a life that day. Every day they pass us by. Empty people filled with care, headed who knows where. On they go with private pain that only Jesus can attend to. And you may be the only Jesus they come into contact with. So I want you to think about that for just a moment. What can I do to make a difference in the lives of others? You absolutely can by not passing them by. But we do it all the time, don't we? You know, when someone is skilled at caring for the needs of the sick or the dying, we say that they have the healing touch. You heard that phrase before, right? They have the healing touch. But no one has ever shown the power to heal like Jesus. So these two stories that we heard Anastasia read, didn't she read those stories beautifully? Many of you don't know what Anastasia is going through with her eyes. I don't think any of us could have read that story any better because she didn't just read that story with her eyes. She read that story with her heart. Yes, Anastasia, and we were in the vicinity of where that, that healing actually occurred. Man, praise be to God for that to be able to be a part of that and be there. And so we've got these two stories, and they're meant to be compared and contrasted. At the same time, Jarius's daughter was born, a woman began hemorrhaging and could find no answer to her pain. She was a social outcast. She was considered, as a custom of the time, as being unclean. She was unable to worship at the temple. Jarius' daughter, on the other hand, she grew up happy and healthy. 
seeing her father come and go regularly to the synagogue as one of the leaders. Even though they came from different social standings, both Jairus and the woman showed a similar faith in Jesus. They both believed he had the healing touch. It probably took courage for both individuals to reach out to Jesus for help. No doubt there was a a bit of fright running through their veins. However, they realized that nothing and no one else could help them in their desperate time of need. Through their courageous acts of reaching out, their faith in Jesus healed them. Mark makes it clear that these narratives prove that the only one who has authority over nature, the powers of darkness, sickness, and death itself, is God. Folks, we have a Savior who refuses to pass us by. So let's discuss just for a moment a little more about this woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. Did you pick up that the girl... The little girl, she was 12 years of age. And this woman had been suffering for 12 years with this bleeding disorder. Her condition condition cost her everything she had. She not only suffered financially, but physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually. No social life. She was an object of shame. She had no business being in the crowd that day. Because she was unclean. She was unclean, so she would have made anyone who came into contact with her unclean until that evening. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was healed. What was she thinking reaching out to touch Jesus? You know, desperation can drive you to risk everything for healing, right? Some of you have been so desperate in here that you would do anything for just a little bit of relief. You take that drug, go to that therapist, physical therapy, counseling, whatever it is, Out of desperation, you'll try that miracle drug or those drops in your ears, whatever it is, you'll order it. And you find out when you order two bottles, if you order two more, you'll get two more. And you end up spending $200 when you're only intended to spend $49.99. And when you get the bottle, you read the ingredients. It's the same ingredients as your fiber tablets. I won't go there. But that's desperation, folks. That's desperation. We'll do anything. We'll listen to anything. We'll watch anybody. We'll believe anything. How many of you have been drawn into those infomercials on your phone? You click on it, 30 minutes, you think it's going to be over in five, then another 30 minutes, and it takes you another video and another video, and before long, you spend a whole hour or more watching this infomercial about this miracle drug, so to speak, because you're desperate. You're tired of the ringing in your ears. You're tired of not being able to see. You're tired of the, the, the back aches and the pain and everything else and the weight gain. And you would just try anything that is out there. Thinking that little pill is going to 
going to take care of everything, you know? Desperation. This woman was desperate. She was desperate. And she was willing to risk everything, to go out into that crowd as unclean as she was. She had a measure of faith to believe Jesus could heal her. Emilia Ware that power had gone forth for him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples said to him, You see this crowd passing by or pressing in on you, all these people, and you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. Jesus knew someone received healing, and for reasons unknown to us, he presented it as if he didn't know who it was. And even though no one responded to his question, he refused to leave it there. He kept on looking. Now, the original language there implies that he kept looking to discover the source. The persistence of Jesus in discovering who touched him rivals the woman's persistence in reaching Jesus. Now imagine the creator of the world persistently searching for you. How does knowing that Jesus is unwilling to pass you by bring comfort and supply grace even if you don't get the healing you hope for in this life. To illustrate this even further, there is a powerful segment or scene from the Chosen series about this woman and her healing. We're going to show you that clip right now. Now. Only the edge, I promise. You are not unclean. Why my garment? I'm sorry. I know I should have asked. But if if you touched me, it would make you ritually unclean according to the law. I was sick. I was sick for 12 years. I bled and, and no one could stop it. But, but I believed if I could just touch a piece of your garment. And I was right. I was right. Thank you. Who told you I could heal? A man from the pool. 
And he was right. The blood is ceased. My daughter. I'm no one's daughter anymore. Look up. Yes, you are. Daughter. It wasn't my piece of clothing that healed you. But it was instant. I felt it right away. I know. But it wasn't this. It was your faith. Teacher, she was bleeding so long, we could take her. She is clean. You have blessed me today. And I know. My daughter, I know it has been a fight for you for so long. You must be exhausted. Go now in peace. Your faith has made you well. I wish I could stay here longer. But I have business to attend to. Someone else has faith like yours. I'm so glad that we found each other. From outcast to daughter. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said, daughter, your fate has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. In his book, Follow the Healer, Steve Siemens quotes Frank Bateman Stanger, who said, Jesus healed persons rather than merely curing diseases. The healed person is restored and set once again within their true destiny. This unnamed woman in this story wasn't just healed physically. She was reset within her community. Do you have an example of a time when someone was welcomed back into the community? Maybe you were. Just as my family and I were welcomed back into this community. Relationally speaking, 
Jesus not only restored this woman to her community, he restored her to herself. He did it with one word, daughter. Most of us do not want to be angry or mad at God, but many of you are. But we don't want to be. Even more, we wouldn't admit it if we were. Yet those who suffer from chronic disease may find their relationship with God affected by it. Their illness may have also affected their relationship with others. How might we help each other own our feelings? Steve Siemens offers a prayer he prays during healing services. This is his prayer. Lord, if this physical condition has affected their relationship with you, if it's caused them to become disappointed or angry with you, or made it difficult for them to trust you, would you come right now and assure them of your love for them? Would you communicate to them how you are feeling toward them right now? Friends, I did this recently while visiting a young man separated from his family and friends. As I went to turn and leave the young man, God spoke these words to me. And I turned back to the young man, placed my hand on his shoulder, and I looked him in the eyes and I said, I love you like a son. That's what I left him with. I walked away, and that's what I left him with. Folks, I was standing Monday morning at St. Joe's Hospital in a room with one of our most beloved members, Joy Percival. And in that room was her ex-husband, John, and her son, Mark, and his wife. And they had asked me just to come and, and be a presence there, a support, and that's what I did. I stood over to the side, and as the care team came in to share some options for John's care, that care team included a palliative care physician, the, the head surgeon, a nurse, and an intern. And Joy was by the bedside of her ex-husband. I won't tell you everything that happened because that's confidential and it's private. But the decision was made that John would be discharged from the hospital by the next day and he would undergo comfort care through hospice. The whole time I was in that room, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit there. And I started wondering, where is that coming from? And I looked over next to John's bed at Joy Percival. It was coming from her. The Holy Spirit in her was exuding from her in the room. Through her, the love of God was present. And the things that were said in that room were received 
And there was a peace that passes all understanding. And thanks be to God that when John passed away over the weekend, that Joy and her family had the peace that passes all understanding that John was receiving the ultimate healing of eternity with Jesus. That had been her prayer for decades. We'd been praying for that. And God moved. He did not pass John by. And he will not pass you by, folks. In chapter 3 of this book that many of us are reading and studying, Follow the Healer, Steve Siemens lists five ways Jesus heals. And I'm not going to go through all five of those. Next Sunday, I'm going to go through all five, and we're going to unpack all five of those, all biblical ways that Jesus heals. But one of the five ways that Jesus heals is through God's sufficient grace. Fanny Crosby is a great example of this healing. She is believed to have said, It seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life, and I thank Him for this dispensation. If perfect earthly sight were offered me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung hymns to praise of God if I had been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things about me. That's what she said. We know that not everyone receives supernatural healing. Healing through doctors or healing through the body's own healing power. I want you to hear that, folks. Not everyone receives supernatural healing, healing through doctors or healing through the body's own healing power. While it's always good and right and a faith builder to preach and celebrate those ways of healings, it's tougher to preach healing through sufficient grace or victorious dying. That's why I wanted to share Fanny's story and had prayed and I know Doug prayed about that song some of you have never heard that song you would not have guessed someone blind wrote the lyrics to that song pass me not O gentle savior do you know someone who fought the good fight but didn't receive their healing in this world how might you encourage those who've not gotten the healing they have desired. On a certain day, Jesus Messiah showed up on the scene and proclaimed, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. And what a kingdom it was. The blind received their sight, the lame kicked up their heels, And those with skin diseases were cleansed. The deaf could hear and the dead were raised. As good as all that was, it got even better the day Jesus invited the 12 disciples who had become the laborers sent out into his harvest to participate in the ministry of preaching and healing. Through his authority... His sent ones would continue to demonstrate the truth that God's kingdom had come. The beginning of the end was here. As I've stressed earlier, the kingdom of God is both already 
and not yet. I have preached that many times. The kingdom of God is both already and not yet. N.T. Wright, the great modern theologian, refers to this concept as a thin place where the kingdom of God and the present evil age begin to come together and there's wholeness and there's healing and people are set free in all kinds of ways, both mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. But many times, it's an emotional and spiritual healing that they receive. We experienced a thin place this past Monday night in our men's Bible study by what many of the women in this church, with God's help, did for us. The men that were there will never, ever forget that holy and sacred moment. I experienced that thin place in that hospital room with Joy Percival and her family. I experienced it every time I go in to someone's room to provide pastoral care in a hospice setting or a different kind of setting after surgery or before surgery. Folks, we should actively pray for miracles and expect supernatural inbreakings of the kingdom. Certainly, this is one significant way that Jesus heals today. His holy presence is living in you and me. His very word is spoken to us. Are you desperate for him? Are you longing for him? Beloved daughter, beloved son, your faith has made you whole. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.